This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show. Last night, you know, you had a Friday night affair between two teams that hate each other. Yanks get on the board first. You got a one nothing lead. Domingo Herman goes to the mound. He's been pitching really well. I'm thinking, you know, 13-1, it's probably not going to be your night. So at least the Yankees put you out of your misery early. And this is from a team last night where every guy in the lineup actually got a hit. But it kind of rings hollow because the game was over. It was lopsided. How about getting some big hits when, you know, the game is still in doubt? That's what actually would help this baseball team right now. And you got too many guys in this group that aren't contributing. And they're playing below their capabilities. Below the way we all know that they can perform. And certainly the Yankees know that they can perform. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Grosser Show, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until noon. Then Anita's going to slide on and take things over the rest of the way. At Dan Grosser is where you can find me on Twitter. Talking a lot of baseball in that first hour, as you would expect. Mostly Yankees. They had a humbling performance last night in Boston, 15-5. to they get shelled by the Red Sox. They're back at it again this evening. Weather permitting, they're saying the weather is a little bit dicey up there, so we'll see if they could get it in. Schmitty against Brian Bayo, the scheduled pitching matchup. We'll get to the Mets here in just a second. Real quick, though, kind of off the beaten path, but it's, it's newsy. It's just coming down. For those that are college basketball fans, Bob Huggins, you know, legendary head coach, Hall of Famer, uh, West Virginia. Remember, a couple of months ago, he got into some hot water because for reasons unbeknownst to anybody but him, he you know went on a uh, radio interview and decided to make some comments which were um, insulting, certainly, and got himself in some hot water, and he got a suspension from West Virginia. And there was thought that maybe he would lose his job over it with some of the things that obviously you can't say on the air and in a public setting in the year 2023. He did, uh, and they decided to hold on to him, but he's going to be suspended for a couple of games there to begin the season. Well, last night, as the report is coming out this morning, he was arrested for DUI. Um, I don't know how the university handles this one. I would just think that if you're already in a semi-probationary phase and then you have this happen, I don't know if you're West Virginia. Remember, it was unpopular to a lot of people that they even kept him as the coach after what went down. Now after this, I, I don't know how you try to spin this one if you're West Virginia and say, yeah, we're just going to, you know, status quo. What are you going to do, tack on? How, how do you add to the suspension to a coach that is already suspended to begin with, right? And you're, or you're going to do nothing. What are you going to do? I, I don't know how he overcomes this, you know? And if he's going through some stuff personally, shoot, I hope he gets his help or whatever. But, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, ride off into the sunset, as they say. We'll see what plays on this one here. As far as the Mets are concerned, and we'll get back to the phone calls here in just a little bit. I'll tell you, you know, while the Yankees did you a favor and put you out of your misery early last night to where you could go and enjoy a nice Friday night when they told you, you know, in the first couple of innings it wasn't going to be their night and they lose, Met game – it's probably going to be one of the fastest games, nine-inning games that you're going to see all season. I mean, it was two hours and one minute. That is pretty good. You know, you talk about you can still go out and have dinner. That game was so fast. We were on the air last night doing our show. Met game ended. We still had like another hour left in the show. I didn't know what to do with myself. That's not usual. You know, game ends way before the show does. That's not the case, but you scored three in the first, two more in the third, and that's all you need. And we were having some fun last night while it was all going down. Mets load the bases, 
And you know that I like to take shots at them. Have some fun. They load the bases with no outs in the first inning. Lindor comes up to the dish. And, and, and we were sitting there on the air, kind of just trying to predict how the inning is going to go. It's like, watch the Mets not score. Bases loaded, no outs, because it was single, single, single. You know, station to station baseball. I'm like, watch the Mets find a way to not even get a run across the board. And we're sitting there going over the scenarios. It's like, okay, Lindor's going to hit into a double play. Beatty's going to pop out, or Beatty's going to strike out. Lindor's going to strike out. They're not going to score a run. Lo and behold, Lindor hits into a 1-2-3 double play. Like, you can't make it up. You, even trying to make it up, you can't make it up. And then, thankfully, Brett Beatty is able to salvage things, and he gets the biggest hit of the game. He gets that two-run double right down the first baseline, sneaks it in fair, and that's all the offense that they needed. And how about Daniel Vogelback? right? A blind squirrel finds an acorn. Back in the lineup last night, gets a hold of one, a second deck shot to the Coca-Cola corner up there in right field. Look, I, you have to beat the Cardinals. Said it before the game, I'll say it before today's game, say it before tomorrow's game. You have to beat the Cardinals. They stink. They've got a world of problems right now. I don't know. Look, I know it's not the manager's way. Or excuse me, I know it's not the organization's way. You know where I'm going with this. But they don't fire managers in season. The Cardinals don't do that. It's been like forever. I don't even know. Was Joe Torre the last manager of the Cardinals to get fired in season? Did he get fired in season? I thought he did. I don't remember. I got to look that up. But... Ali Marmol, which, you know, he was one of these guys in the organization, the Cardinal way, and they let go of a very successful popular manager and Mike Schilt, remember, out of nowhere, coming off of a playoff appearance again, and Schilty, they let go. They were having, you know, philosophical differences, and they let him go. He's now coaching for the Padres, and they elevated Ali Marmol. Hey, you want to keep the job, you got to win games. St. Louis has talent on that team. You know, Paul Goldschmidt's the reigning MVP in the National League. Nolan Arenado's a first ballot Hall of Famer. They got guys that can perform. And it's inexcusable right now, really and truthfully. They've made the playoffs nine out of the last 12 years. Like, we talk about the Yankees and this. And think about that. And as I said earlier, Cardinals have had one losing season in the 2000s. One. Met fans would sign up for that any day of the week. Bucks got to explain to me, though, despite the fact that they won the game. Why no Francisco Alvarez last night? They had two days off this week. Yep, Torrey did get fired midseason. There you go. So they had Monday off. They had Thursday off. Why is Francisco Alvarez not in this lineup last night? Now, I know that they won the game, so no use crying over spilled milk. I get it, but he's one of your best hitters right now. He's got to play. Another guy who's becoming one of their best hitters, believe it or not, is Tommy Pham, who just keeps finding excuses for Buck to put him in the lineup. And if he's going to hit, hey, you write his name in there. A couple of hits last night. And another guy who's heating up, if you want to start to maybe look for some optimistic signs as we move into the summer here, how about Starling Marte? Two more hits last night. He got that batting average now over 260. He's not hitting for a lot of power, doesn't have a lot in the RBI department, but still, get the bat going. Get him in a groove. I mean, Starling Marte last year when this team won 101 games, Starling Marte was almost like the catalyst for this offense. When he was going good, the Mets were going good. When he was injured, when he was out of the lineup, especially late in the season, they struggled offensively. If they can get a Marte going into these summer months, you start to look at this group a little bit differently now, don't you? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Before I get back to the calls, 
with the conversation that we've had already this morning about Yankees, Mets, payrolls, and so on and so forth, if you look at payrolls right now around Major League Baseball, you have teams, okay, the bottom five payrolls in baseball, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Those teams are all in the bottom five right now. They're all in the conversation for a playoff spot. Now, if you want to throw cold water on Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, be my guest. They're 500 teams, but they're in the National League Central, and the division stinks. How about Cincinnati, by the way? They've won six in a row. That Andrew Abbott kid pitched again last night. He started three games, hasn't given up a freaking run. They've got a lot of young talent. Ellie De La Cruz, the, 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 the infielder, who's a beast, right? Cincinnati now all of a sudden is playing an exciting brand of baseball. Guys coming up through their system. They're 500. The Pirates are 500. And they got a shot to make the playoffs because their division stinks. Okay, Tampa Bay's got the best record in the sport, but they're an outlier because they do things differently than everybody else. Other teams try to mimic what Tampa Bay does, but they can't do it like Tampa Bay. Baltimore. Baltimore has got the second smallest payroll in baseball, $67 million. Only Oakland is cheaper than they are. And the Baltimore Orioles right now have the second best record in the American League. Why? Because they got a lot of cheap young talent. That's why I keep talking about the necessities of a farm system, of organizational depth. That's how you win. It's not about the blank checkbook. It's not about the credit card. It's not about who's got the highest payroll. Get good players. That's how you go about doing it. Bring them into your system. International scouting. You know, find guys internationally who are maybe teenagers that you identify talent, and then you bring them over. You get them into your system. You groom them. You develop these players, and then, boom, they're able to come into the big leagues and produce for you. And you don't have to pay them 40-plus million dollars a year. You know, you look at the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves only, I say only, they've got the eighth highest payroll in baseball. Houston Astros, that's a world championship team. They've got the 10th highest paid, or the tenth highest payroll. These aren't teams that, you know, need to spend $300 bucks. No. They identify talent. They keep talent. They develop talent. That's how it works. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us say hi to Sean in Astoria. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Hello, Sean. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Happy Father's Day. Same to you, Sean. What's uh, going on? I'm a, thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm a huge Yankees fan. Uh, born in 92, so I'm 31 years old. So I'm, I'm kind of spoiled, I guess I would, you would say. I'm pretty privileged in winning all these championships. So... I think I want to make how well do, how well this. do you remember uh, the championships yeah. in the 90s? Oh, pretty damn well. <laughs> pretty damn well. Growing up, uh, watching Derek Jeter play, uh, winning those championships. I just remember as a little kid, my father taking me into those games. I, uh, you know, I, I carry those memories forever. So I have those expectations of just winning championships every season, and I feel like with Cashman. Steinbrenner, they kind of set this expectation of we're going to win the championship every season, and even with the transition. From Jeter, from Mariano to the, the to the Baby Bombers, there's always been an expectation winning championships. So I feel like I do I do agree with you that maybe we need we need to change those expectations and just appreciate the moments that we have of just making the playoffs. But now I'm at a point where I feel like we just can't rely on Aaron Judge carrying this team every season. It's just not sustainable. 
and we can't win this way. So I've come to a point where I kind of want to just, I hope that we do tank. I say this proudly that I want the Yankees to tank this season so we can start fresh. I want Cashman gone. You know, I, I love Boone for what he's done as a player, but I'm kind of just done with the team. And then my second point is that, you know, I feel like ever since the Red Sox started to win their, their championships since 2004, I feel like the curse has been switched on to us. <laughs> you know, so it, it's, I feel like there's a lot of irony behind this. And I know the afternoon show yesterday, we were talking about how whether the Yankees fans would be envious of the Red Sox of having the championships years, uh, being in the World Series, and maybe, you know, having bad seasons after that over that 2009 championship that we've had. And honestly, I would. I would take every championship season that the Red Sox have had since 2004 over our 2009 championship just so we could add a few more to our, to our, uh, to our title. So that's all i got to say. Well, and Sean, thanks for the call. Well, the way 2004 started, remember, because they got that championship at your expense and you had the greatest choke job in the history of the sport blowing the 3-0 lead. I don't have to remind you of that, right? But it is ironic, too, with the Red Sox. Generally speaking... You know, they have these championship runs. Really, not, not so much the first two. It's kind of been those ones in the last decade. Like, when they won in 2013, that was the John Farrell team that won the championship. And, you know, they had the Johnny Gomes of the world. Like, that team came out of nowhere. Like, that was a surprise to everybody that they won that championship. Right? And then the next couple of years, they stunk. They were a last-place team two years after that. You know, they won a world championship, what was it, four or five years ago. And then it's been slim pickings really ever since. So, I, I mean, I understand there's a trade-off there. But, I mean, that was Sean. You know, Sean gave you one man's opinion right there. I would rather sign up for the championship, give me one, and then we go in the tank for, let's say, two, three years after that. You really want to punt on those two, three years? I mean, I could see if you maybe get one elusive championship. If you're, like, for example, yes, the Met fan. Met fan hasn't seen a championship since 86. Maybe they weren't even live for it. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But if I said to the Met fan, hey, would you get a world, would you sign up for a World Series this year and then you're going to stink for the next three, four years? They probably would. Because they haven't seen one in their lifetime. If I asked the Jet fan, you know, most of them haven't seen a Super Bowl in their lifetime unless they were alive in 1969. Hey, would you take a Super Bowl this year when Aaron Rodgers, if I, hey, Jets win a Super Bowl this year, Rodgers does everything that he came here to do, then Rodgers retires after this season, and then you got to watch, you know, Zach Wilson for the next three, four years, and you're going to be a bad team again. They would sign up for that in a heartbeat, probably. They just want that championship. You know? Just like with the Rangers in 94. This one will last a lifetime. Might have to. Might have to. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Grasso Show. It's a Saturday morning right here on 9870 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, this leaderboard update is presented by Rock Spring Golf Club. Round three, U.S. Open, L.A. Country Club. Getting underway a little bit later on. Leaders aren't teeing off until... Geez, after 6 o'clock, our time, as a matter of fact. But Ricky Fowler looking down on everybody else atop that leaderboard. He is 10 under par. Wyndham Clark, one back at minus 9. Then you got Xander Shoffley, Rory McIlroy at 8 under par. Harris English is a minus 7. So that is your leaderboard update brought to you by Rock Spring Golf Club. Golf fans, check out Rock Spring Golf Club in New Jersey. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number as far as uh, before we get back to the calls as far as the baseball from last night goes outside of the Mets and the Yankees our buddy uh, down in Miami there Louisa rise five for five last night now he's not hitting 400 anymore he's struggling he's only at 390 you know you feel bad for the guy he's only at 390 after the five hits last night uh, I mentioned the Cincinnati Reds 500 baseball only a half a game out of first place. That Andrew Abbott kid, three starts, three scoreless performances. That at least has to give you some excitement as a fan. When you've been bad for a few years and then you see this young talent you've heard about for so long finally make their way into the big leagues and you're getting results, that to me is really, really invigorating. Instead of just going out there and getting old guys, making big free agent splashes, because you feel like, okay, they're, they're, they're one of you guys, right? They came up through your system. They're tried and true to your team. How about the Angels? Another win for them last night. They're eight games over 500. Dare I say, Otani, Trout, are they finally going to make the playoffs the same year and the same time? Still got some work to do. But they're playing probably a lot better than maybe people gave them credit for. They beat Kansas City, uh, Kansas City last night. The Royals are a mess. They've lost 10 in a row. They, not the Oakland A's, have the worst record in baseball. They're 18-51. and 18-51! We suck. They've been sh- they, uh, you're darn right they do. They've been shut out nine times already this year. Nine times. Damn, they're no good. And I mentioned our buddy Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers making his big league debut. New York City kid, six hitless innings last night. Imagine, and and here's the thing too. Dodgers lost that game in extra innings to the Giants. But I'm sure that there were people, and maybe there's some people in L.A. this morning calling up Sports Talk Radio talking about how does Dave Roberts pull this kid from the game with a no-hitter? 89 pitches into the game. You have to. It's his first start. You're not going to make them empty the tank. And besides, the Dodgers are running through pitchers like water, for crying out loud. They need this kid. Dave did the right thing. You know, they lost the game. But you got to look at this thing big picture here and take advantage of possibly something that could be really, really good for you moving forward. Let us say hi to 
Omar in Brooklyn. It's good to hear from him here on 98.7 ESPN. Omar, good morning. How are things? Good morning. How are you, Dan? Omar, I'm great. Okay, listen. Two things I want to say. First, yes. uh, after doing everything, like I want a superstar, I want here and there, what finally is a practical way is that after watching Denver Nuggets uh, won the NBA championship, I have come to conclusion that for the last two years, Denver Nuggets were uh, injured, uh, Murray was injured, and they gave a chance to Malone and uh, Dakovic, and they finally won and get a breakthrough and won the championship. We have three players, Quinton Grimes, Iman Quickly, Julius Randle, injured in this series. Uh, three players in the playoff, rather going for a superstar. The only switch, like they got uh, uh, the Nets player in Brendan Brown, and he made a difference uh, defensively. So after going through all the phases, uh, should I get a superstar, give my picks and all, I want to run through again with Thibodeau because uh, at game six, when we came gun blazing the way Barrett came in and took God into the foul uh, uh, free throw line every possession in the first quarter and up 14 points. I can say that if R.J. Barrett is going 1-10 uh, in that game six and Julius Randle is going for, for three for something, whatever he went through, mm-hmm. that's not Thibodeau's fault. Uh, we have to come and realize that. And he has those players ready for game six. And we had the possession in our hand with the best player on the mound, the clutch player, and he made it turnover. So you cannot fire Thibodeau that everybody fires their coach in a big zone. So I have to give Thibodeau a chance. I have my reservation with Thibodeau, but I will give chance to Thibodeau. I will give chance to Julius Randle. The only little critique I will do, because mm-hmm. Fournier, and Obi Toppin going to Indiana Pacers for uh, uh, Buddy Heald. That's an upgrade. Even, I think, uh, uh, to match the uh, uh, salary for Buddy Heald, Fournier has to be included in there. If they ask for one late first-round pick, I will give it up. And then I will run through with this. This is an upgrade. I think we can compete with uh, Miami Heat with this, with everybody healthy, Iman quickly, one more experience, R.J. Barrett, one more years of experience, Julius Rental healthy, Brunson with the team, same coach, same Thibodeau. I will take my chances. I, I thought I, I, I am better than Boston already. So the Miami Heat, I know they're talking about getting Lillard. Let's see, but I cannot make, I don't have a superstar unless Lillard comes here. But the the backcourt of Lillard and Brunson. No, I, I, I don't think Lillard's the right fit. Buddy Heald, though, Omar, let me tell you something. Omar, Buddy Heald is not a bad solution, and I thank you for the phone call. The, it, it, I had to check it out. I wasn't sure about his contract status. Buddy Heald's an expiring contract. He's a free agent at the end of the year. You know, and it's only like $19 million in change this year. I mean, shoot, that's like Evan Fournier money right there. It really and truly is. Fournier's at about... Right around 19 himself. That won't even cost you an arm and a leg. But a guy like Buddy Heald is going to be attractive, I think, to a lot of teams out there. And Indiana could be patient because expiring contracts are something that are coveted around the NBA.
They really and truly are. You know, speaking of, Omar was talking about Tibbs. And look, I'm one of these guys, I've said it. I, I, I give Tibbs the benefit of the doubt, you know? I don't know if he's a guy that's going to be here for the next 10 years. I mean, he don't even know if he's going to be a guy that's here for the next 10 years. But I do think he should get some credit for how this team performed this past season, really and truly. Did you hear what our guy Stephen A. had to say, though? He wasn't as flattering about our man Tibbs. He was already basically packing his bags. Like Stephen A. was knocking on Tibbs' door, showed up with the suitcase, and he said, here, we're leaving. Listen to what Stephen A. had to say about the Nick head coach. I believe this should be Tom Thibodeau's last year in New York. I'm not saying he's not a great coach, okay? I'm not saying he can't coach. I'm not saying he did anything wrong, even though some would argue he's no Eric Spolstra, he's no Steve Kerr, he's no Ty Lue, he's Demity ain't even Darvin Ham right now who makes adjustments, okay? You know, he gets married to what he sees in the film room. But if something like that happens, I would tell you, I would look for the Knicks. This should be Tom Thibodeau's last season. Thank him. Let him go somewhere else. Run out of basketball and get a job. And you get Ty Lue from the Los Angeles Clippers. This is his last year in Los Angeles. I think Ty Lue should want out of there. And I think he should want a coach where players are going to be available to play. I mean, Steve, what did Tibbs do to you? I mean, that, that, that was hard. I mean, and you're going to give me Darvin Ham? I mean, come on. See, I'm usually in agreement with my guy, but stop with the Darvin Ham. Darvin Ham's been a coach for five. How did he do in the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets? Come on. How many leads did the Lakers blow in that series? And not for nothing, he's got LeBron James on his team. I know LeBron James is 68 years old, but still. You know, Anthony Davis once every two or three games actually plays like an all-world player. That's not fair. Darvin Ham. Any Nick fan? I mean, seriously, right now, if you're a Nick fan, if I told you you could have Thibodeau or Darvin Ham as your coach for the upcoming season, who are you taking? Come on. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. That's not fair. That's not right. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get into a little bit more NBA coming up because the NBA dropped the hammer on John Morant. Fair or unfair? Plus more of your baseball calls. Grasso with you till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776 is the phone number. So the NBA, they came down on John Morant yesterday. Finally, right? Finally. I had said, and I was going off of what Adam Silver told the whole world at the NBA Finals that they got new information, right, that they uncovered some new details. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, this could be juicy. They might be ready to really throw the book at them. So I said 20. 
I thought that was, you know, a fair kind of, that's a quarter of the season, while it also kind of still sends a strong message from the league that this isn't going to be tolerated anymore. And they generally, I think, fear for the player's well-being as an individual. He ends up getting 25. What was all the hype about, though, from Adam Silver, about the new info? Right? Because, again, even even in the aftermath, even though I thought that maybe it was only going to be a quarter of the season, 25 games, I'm like, really? 25 games, what it really boils down to in a nutshell, is essentially load management for most NBA players. Right? I mean, like, most of them will just miss 25 because, you know, they don't want to tax themselves too much. Now, he loses about $7.5 million, which is a nice chunk of change, as we all know. But he still keeps the Nike deal. Powerade flew the coop with this last infraction, remember? I've never really been a big Powerade guy. I don't know if they would sign me anyway to fill the spot that they lost with John Morant, but I've, I've just I've never been a Powerade guy. I've tried. I've tried. Harvey, you, Powerade, yay or nay? I'm all right with it. It does the job for me. What job? It quenches my thirst. What do you mean, what job? As in, in as compared to Gatorade? Gatorade is better. I agree. Bottom line, Powerade. Right. I don't know. I just haven't had Powerade in a really, really long time. It's like the reliable sixth man of, of sport drinks. That's You know what? That's that's not a bad comparison. It's not a bad. The problem with Gatorade, here's the problem with Gatorade. If I can inject this into the John Moran suspension conversation, which is really the most important aspect of the suspension. Gatorade has almost gotten too big for their own britches. It's like they've oversaturated the sports drink market. You go to the supermarket. I was just there this morning, as a matter of fact. You go in the supermarket. You go down the you know, drink aisle, and then you see the Gatorade. Like If you're looking to buy Gatorade, you have to go through the display with a fine-tooth comb just looking for flat old, plain old, original Gatorade because Gatorade now has like 78 different versions. Cherry is the best flavor. But, again, cher- like cherry. Cherry Glacier, best flavor, hands down. I never see. I don't know that. I don't know Cherry Glacier. That's what I mean. There's too much Gatorade that I am even not familiar with. You know, see, I grew up for a lot of years. You had like three choices. You had the fruit punch. You had the orange, and you had um, lemonade. What am I? The, the lemon, lemon lime, lime the, yep. the original. Which I'm, which I'm okay. I was never a big fruit punch guy. I was always like lemon lime and orange. But then, you know what else they came out with? Like the the like the fourth flavor. Years and years ago, I don't even know if they still have it. They came out with iced tea flavored Gatorade. And so I was like, oh, we got to try this. Got to try it. Gotta... Wasn't that good. It really did not do anything for me. Then I remember they came out with like a lemonade Gatorade and, and then just, you know, any flavor you can imagine. Like you said, like Cherry Glacier. The best Gatorade flavor I've ever had, though, and I don't even know if they sell it in this country. I actually had it in Europe, believe it or not. Mandarin orange. Is that something that you could find here? Can we, get, can we get the Gatorade people on the phone? I know it's a Saturday, customer service. I don't know if they're available. Somebody in marketing, let us know if you could get Mandarin orange Gatorade in this country because I think that is the flavor. Make a long story short, there's a lot happening with Gatorade right now. It appeases everybody. you got a lot of options. So back to John Morant. He puts out a statement. He says he's sorry again. He's going to learn from this experience. 
again. He'll try to become a better person again. We just went through this like a month ago, right? I mean, like, this is recent history. Maybe it would carry a little bit more weight and you would believe the sincerity if this was the first time, but it's actually the second time in a couple of months. So why should we think any differently? Now, for some people who think that the punishment is too harsh and think that 25 games is a little severe, remember something. I tell you this. Adam Silver, the NBA, this is not the criminal justice system. This is not law and order. He is the police for the NBA. His job is to protect the brand, to protect the logo. And a situation like this involving one of your players, it embarrasses the league. It embarrasses the logo. You don't have to be charged with a crime, right? It's at the discretion of the sport. And if they feel that it gives the league a bad image or bad press or negativity or all these things, that's why they act in the manner in which they did. Because the league is all about making money. It's a business. It's an enterprise. And if they feel that that is compromised in any way, and if all of a sudden sponsors, investors, you name it, if they don't like the negative press that comes along with one of its players, one of its star players, one of the faces of the league getting caught up displaying guns, for example, with the problem we have in this country with gun violence, and if they fly the hill, how is that going to reflect on the league? That's why they have to act for 25 games. Now, some might think it's too little. Others I've already heard say, you know what? I think that he should have sent a stronger message. 25 games is weak. He's a repeat offender in all essence. Well, Adam Silver isn't David Stern, the late, great David Stern. We know that. If David Stern was still the commissioner of the NBA, I mean, John Morant might be getting 50 games. Hell, depending on the day of the week and how David Stern felt, he might have got a whole season. David Stern didn't mess around. You know? I will say this, though, that because Adam Silver who portrays himself as somebody who tends to be a little bit more buddy-buddy with the players, and he wants to be like the player's commissioner, their best friend, right? I don't know if players around the league, if they fear the wrath of Adam Silver. I certainly think that players once upon a time in David Stern's NBA, they probably were a little bit more cognizant of the fact that the guy in charge was prone to do things like send down really severe punishments. I don't think they get that feeling with Adam Silver. Right? But the unfortunate thing about John Morant, and this is always a cautionary tale, is that he wants to be somebody off the court completely different than who he is on it. And that's a problem. You hang around the wrong people. You're hanging around the wrong people that only want to be associated with you for the wrong reasons. They only want to be with John Morant because he's superstar John Morant. He's multimillionaire, John Morant. He's a cash machine, John Morant. He prints money, John Morant. He funds their lifestyle, for lack of a better term. If John Morant was just the dude working the average nine-to-five job, making, let's say, five figures a year, not that there's anything wrong with that, you think half of these guys would want to be running in the same circles as John Morant? I guarantee you, probably not. Probably not. 
And that's the unfortunate thing about it. And you hope for his sake, he could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And he could recognize right from wrong and the right people that you should surround yourself with and the people that actually have your best interest at heart, not theirs. And I think he's got caught up in that for all the wrong reasons. 25 games, though. Hey, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies right now, they're doing cartwheels. Once Memphis got word yesterday that it was only 25 games, like Taylor Jenkins was out. He ripped his shirt off, and he started doing cartwheels, and he took a jump into the pool at the Grizzlies headquarters. 25 games? So John Morant's back in the beginning of December? Most people don't even pay attention to the NBA until the NFL is over anyway. 25 games is nothing. We just saw a team that was an eight seed that was mediocre during the regular season make it all the way to the NBA Finals. You think the Grizzlies care that they're not going to have John Moran for the first two months of the season? It did him a favor. But for his sake, I hope this straightens him out. And I don't know if it will. But if this doesn't, then there's bigger problems. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Grasa Show till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Enter the ESPN New York no-hitter sweepstakes for your chance to win $25,000. Find the no-hitter tile on the ESPN New York app. Pick a team and submit your entry. Today's qualifier is, oh, look at this, John Kennedy. From Westchester, Pennsylvania, who's chosen New York's American League team to throw a no-hitter today. Presented by MoheganSunCasino.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. John Kennedy going with the Yanks. Clarky Schmidt. I think that Clark Schmidt's going to spin a gem today up in Boston. I think the Yanks are going to have a very good bounce-back performance. Let me pick him to throw a no-hitter. Commissioner Rob Manfred. (laughs) Yeah, right. People of Springfield, because of the epidemic, I have canceled my vacation to the Bahamas. Speaking of, by the way, I should say this, Monday, Monday, we're not going to have our normal show at night. I'll be with Rick in the morning. DNR boys, 6 a.m., bright and early. So you can catch me Monday morning instead of right after TNKS, as per usual. 800-919-3777. I almost said 300. I'm creating phone numbers. I'm just making it all up right now. It's been a long week, you know, long week, trying to get to the end of it here, doing the best we can. Nick in Brooklyn is up next here on 98.7. Hello, Nicholas. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing, Dan? Good, Nick. What's up? Hey, uh, so I wanted to talk about, you had a, a soundbite earlier from Stephen A. Smith talking about moving out from Tibbs. Yes. And um, he was more so talking about the Knicks going after Tyron Lue, not Darvin Ham, because his point was basically – Tyron Lue's a great coach. He coaches, he coaches Paul George and Kawhi. They never play. He deserves to be with players who play 75 games a year, right? Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is understandable. However, the point is ridiculous, obviously. Tibbs has changed the mix around. He's done a complete 180 because he, he's been here. That's my first point. The second point is kind of like, this is a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Basically, looking at this Nick roster, their ceiling right now, I think we can all agree, at best, they're probably a conference finals team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in order to raise that ceiling, you got to move on from either Randall or R.J. Barrett. Ma, I have a two-part question from you. Wh- part one, who do you move on for? And part two, who can you target this offseason realistically that can help raise the ceiling of this team? Nick, thanks for the call. Um, 
It's a lot to unpack there. I don't think they're moving on from either guy. Okay, plain and simple. I don't think they are. I will say this. In the event that something like that should take place, the guy that will net you more in return is R.J. Barrett. Okay? Number one, he's cheaper than Randall, younger than Randall, upside the whole nine yards. One of the reasons why the Knicks professed their undying loyalty to R.J. Barrett, and they gave him that contract extension to keep him around. They believe in his upside, and he's only, what, 22, 23? He just turned 23 years old yesterday, or whatever it was. All right? So a lot of teams would fall in love for that upside, and the Knicks are right there with them. I don't think that's going to happen. What I think their intent is, obviously they need to go out there and improve the shooting. That's first and foremost. they got to get some shooting in here. I mean, watching that series against the Miami Heat, how many times were you sitting there just dying, waiting for anybody, anybody reliable to sit there and make some shots from beyond the arc to help alleviate some of that scoring pressure? You know, Omar called up earlier and brought up a buddy heel. That would not be a bad alternative. Um, During the playoffs, I was kind of, kind of warming. I'm talking about cheaper alternatives, not breaking the bank. I was even warming up to a guy like Max Struess, who was a free agent, but I've cooled on him. He he had too many no-shows for my liking, and I don't want to go down that road. I'm not all in on the Bradley Beal thing, and that's, you know, a a higher rent district, as we know. I think that's a hard pass. Even Brooke Lopez's name was thrown up this week, you know, out into the universe. And Brooke is a guy who, believe it or not, he's a big, but he could shoot. But that's, not, that's the wrong direction to go. You're not bringing in Brooke Lopez. I don't see a fit for this team. I just wouldn't necessarily cash in all my chips if you want to bring in an all-star caliber player if he's not a true number one difference maker. Right? Buddy, Buddy, oh, Buddy Heald. Bradley Beal is not that guy. You only got the mid-level exception to work with if you're the Knicks, too, which is what, like $12 million bucks or something like that in free agency? Now you can do some trades and stuff, right? Get Fournier's contract the heck out of here and an expiring deal. Pick up that Derrick Rose option, which will net you like 16 mil, but it's movable. You got all those first-round picks. Knicks are going to do something. I can promise you that. Now, are they going to make as big a splash as they did last summer by signing Jalen Brunson? And, and you know what? We look at it as a big splash because of how it turned out. But let's rewind a year ago. Was the enthusiasm really all there when they signed Jalen Brunson, even though it was like the worst-kept secret in the world? You knew that that was the direction they were going? I think you were maybe optimistic, but nobody in their wildest dreams, and I'll even include the Knicks in that category, thought that Jalen Brunson would turn out to have the year that he did and to really become the player that he became over the last 12 months where, guys, this is his team. Is it not? It's Jalen Brunson's team. Bill and Queens up next here on 987 ESPN. Billy, how are you? Good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, Bill. With, on this John Morant, how you doing, sir? Good. On this John Morant thing, um, like I'm a union worker, 50-year-old man, and, you know, I've seen grievances over the years, and I get it. It's different, but it's not different. And I, I think the union pushing back on this in any way, shape, or form is a bad look. This isn't the first time this guy's done this. He, you know, he, he's a danger to himself. 
and, and, and what he's doing is, is, you know, he's doing two things. Like, he's, you know, shaking, you know, it out off in, in the face of authority. He's a danger to himself. And he's almost daring some, like, diehard bank gangbanger to take a take a shot at him. Like, he, he doesn't really want to be in this world. And I think that the union pushing back, they just got to be like, dude, you messed up for a second time. You're going to take the 25 games, and we're going to be done here. Like, the NBA being the one of, one of the most politically involved of the four major sports, like speaking out against gun violence, against police brutality, they got to, you know, you got to walk the walk, so to speak. So, thanks for well, my B- call. Bill, here. Bill, here's the thing, and thanks for the phone call. You're right about that. Here's what the union is for. The union, and they have 30 days, by the way, to file a grievance, 30 days to appeal this thing. The union is only looking at it to protect the $7.5 million. Now, you would hope that they care about the player's well-being. I mean, that's what being part of a union is. But the fact that they would file a grievance, not because that would help John Morant get on the straight and narrow as an individual and maybe clean up the act as far as the people that he surrounds himself with. No, they're only looking at it from the standpoint of we don't want this guy to lose $7.5 million, which is what the 25-game suspension would deprive him of. That's the troubling part of it. And I don't know how many of you like done your homework and, and, and dug deep and read about all these stories and all of these allegations and everything that John Morant and his, and his cronies have been involved in, you know, over the last several months. It's really disturbing. And it's not just like an isolated incident here and an isolated incident there. there there's like a lot of stuff that you're like, this is not what somebody should be getting into. I don't care how old you are. And there's even reports that the Memphis Police Department in conjunction with the Memphis Grizzlies, have this kind of like handshake, hush-hush, under-the-table agreement to not let this stuff get out with all of some of the crazy shenanigans that were going on with him. Right? Like, this is the stuff that we read about, like, with the NFL going back a decade when a lot of those players were getting into trouble, and then, like, the local authorities and this and that, you know, were kind of sweeping all these things under the rug. And then it brings it back to, again, is 25 games really enough to drive the point home of the severity of these type of actions and what it could potentially lead to? All right, one more hour still to play with. 800-919-3776. Dan Grass's show till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3777. I almost said 300. I'm creating phone numbers. 